to stand upon. I encourage you, if you don't have a scripture to stand upon, get one. Because you're going to need it. Amen? In this tonight, I was... um, you know, God's Word, we have to believe that it's true, and uh, we have to uh, have some faith, because without uh, belief and without faith, this service isn't going to mean much to you tonight, this sermon isn't going to mean much unless we truly believe it. And it doesn't take a lot of faith, just a little bit of faith. I was thinking, um, on Friday, I had an experience that uh, probably will never be forgotten in our family. And uh, right before me and uh, Jace was leaving to go to the volleyball tournament uh, in London, I had put a load of towels into the washer. And I've been washing clothes since I was a kid. And uh, when I put the detergent in the detergent side, and then I put um, some vinegar in the softener side, then I thought, well, I'll put just a little bit of softener with the vinegar just to give it a little good smell. And so I grabbed the white jug, which is typically the softener, and picked it up and just dripped just a little bit in that softener side. And I looked at it and I said, this is not softener. And so I looked at the jug and Brittany had bought a new brand. And so I looked at that little dab of soap in that softener side and I said, how, how bad could it be if I just leave it? And so I said, ah, it'll be all right, shut it. Went about my business for a little bit and uh, came back in there and the washer was making a very interesting noise. And we have a very large washer. We wash a lot of clothes. And uh, it was not even able to spin. And I said, what is going on? It was supposed to be spinning the clothes out. And I looked through the glass as Jace is stepping down the steps. And I looked in there and I said, God have mercy. It was just snow white. Whatever was going on in there, it was not working. And so I tried to spin it out. The machine wouldn't run. And I told Jace, I said, get some towels. And we just had to open it up. And it literally just was like the movies. It just flowed out, just bubbles. Bubbles everywhere. Wet towels. It was a mess. So we finally got it cleaned up. And so I just, Jace had already taken a picture of what was going on. So I just went ahead and got the cat out of the bag, text our little family group chat with all of us kids, and put the picture on there. And I said, Small soap make many bubbles. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how faith is. If we can just get a little bit. Great things, more than you expect, can happen. And it was great. And our kids loved it because Dad made a mistake. Everybody got to celebrate. Man, look at Dad. So for a little bit, everybody got to uh, ride the Bash Joe, Bash Dad train. And so it was great. But I want the Lord to help us tonight. But you know what? We've got to muster some faith. I was uh, impressed by this sister tonight to be able to step out and say, I need help. Can I tell you, God's going to help you because you're willing to push past what people think. And honestly, it's nothing but lies of the devil. You're not the only one that has dealt with fear. And uh, it's just a trick of the devil. The, the more that we are just open and say, you know what? I'm at church tonight. I need help. God will hear your cry. 
and he will answer. But tonight we're going to read this verse, and then we're going to kind of skip around a little bit, and uh, I'm going to try not to be long tonight. But Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 1, the Bible says, Behold, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. You know, this word is found over 1,300 times in the Bible, the word behold. And when I was, when, when this verse started becoming something to me, I looked at the definition of that word, and it means to observe, to look at, to see. And many times in the Bible, the Bible is saying, you need to look at this. You need to, you need to pay attention to this. You need to remember this because there's going to come a day that you're, that you're going to need to remember what this says. God can still save today. You know, our minds and our hearts and our emotions are all over the place these days. People are emotional. Just try to go to Walmart. Try to get through the parking lot. I mean, Jace about got hit by a car the other day in Walmart. Just, just trying, trying to escape the madness. People are all over the place. The world is distracted. But you know what Isaiah is saying here? Pay attention to this. You're going to want to remember this. How many has ever been down before? Maybe, maybe right now you're down. I guarantee each and every one of us came into church tonight with something weighing on our minds. You know why? Because we're human. We have problems. We have difficulties. But you know what? The church has become, you know, people talk about Hollywood being the greatest actors. Honestly, I think us Christians really honestly top it. Those that we love and know, we can literally hide what is really going on inside. You know, there is people that are sinking in congregations on the pew around the world today, sitting in congregations right on the church pew. I've watched it take place. But have you ever tried to uh, talk to somebody that was distracted before? Have you ever tried to talk to young people? And you say, sometimes you just want to, if there's one thing that I've said a lot as a father is, just listen to me. Pay attention. Trust me, you want to remember what I'm telling you right now, what you need to do. Distracted. This generation is distracted. We're dealing with so many things that try to get our attention, to try to pull us away, that tries to drown out what God's Word is trying to say, trying to drown out Brother Greg's message this morning was outstanding. It truly was. And, and I said, you know, my message isn't going to be much different. We just tend to find a hundred different ways to preach Jesus Christ as the answer. But you know, in the Bible, this word behold is found in some of the most amazing stories throughout God's Word. Just another thing of saying you need to look at this, you need to remember this. In Matthew chapter 8, it says, When he was come down, in verse 1, from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, 
There came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Listen, behold, God can still heal. In just a moment's time, God healed this man of the most dreaded disease of that day. It didn't take him an hour. It didn't take him 20 chemo treatments. It didn't take, it didn't take months. When God said, I can do it, he did it. And God, God can still do that today. Brother Greg talked about a little bit about it this morning too in Matthew chapter 8. And when he was come down from the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs exceedingly fierce so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus? Thou Son of God, art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from them, a herd of swine, many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said unto them, Go, and when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine. And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. And they that kept them fled and went their ways into the city and told everything and that was befallen to those that were possessed of the devils. And talking about this story in Mark chapter 5, it said, And always night and day he was in the mountains and the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. You know, I, I was thinking sometimes when we think of this story, it's easy for us to pass judgment on those that we see that are so bound and struggling. I'll tell you, Brother Zach, doing this homeless ministry, going around passing out literally, in my view, almost nothing as far as monetary worth a peanut butter jelly sandwich. But to see the response of how it matters to people when you're trying to reach out, I can imagine the disciples, when they saw this guy, they probably said, good grief, look at this guy, what a lost cause. But you know, Jesus, he didn't look at him like that. He saw a soul, he saw a son, he saw a father probably. He saw a tormented man that needed to be, needed to have his chains broken. And Jesus didn't just hear his cry, but he reached way down. And in verse 34, the Bible says, And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they besought him that, would, that he would depart out of their coasts. You know, that sounds like society today, doesn't it? Here are these people, they were satisfied with tormented people roaming the streets. And destroying things. But as soon as somebody was willing to stand up and do something good, they had a problem with it. And you know, it is the same way with the church world today. If we're going to get anything done, we're going to have to go through some people that just say, it's not worth it. What are you doing? 
But you know what? We can make a difference in the last day and hour that we live. Jesus can deliver the tormented soul today. He truly can. There is still hope. We need to remember, we need to write these verses down and remember that there is hope. You look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 2, And behold, they brought him a sick man of the palsy lying on a bed, and Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise and take up thy bed, and go into thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. Can I tell you tonight, God can lift you up out of your circumstances today. It doesn't matter how long you've been there. You look at the woman with the issue of blood in Matthew. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years. God can reach way down. Time doesn't mean anything to God. And just because it's been a space of time doesn't mean that God does not hear and that God is not working. God does things for His own glory. This man with the palsy, this woman with the issue of blood, He lifted them both up. You know, sometimes the length of time makes us weary in our prayers and we think, does God even hear my petition? But can I tell you tonight, God's ear is not too heavy that he cannot hear what we are praying about to him. Don't give up. We must keep the faith and keep going on. You know, I was, I was reading some uh, statistics before church tonight, and, uh, you know, as parents sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, you find yourself critiquing and directing more than complimenting and uplifting your children. Has anybody else struggled with that before? But uh, I was reading Christian psychologists say that for every criticism or direction or uh, trying to line our children out, we should encourage them and say something uplifting five to one. Five times to one. Because it makes a difference if all our kids hear is criticism. It affects their lives. And, you know, I've, I've seen some people, they start talking about their kids, and it just gets awkward because, you know, they're praising their children. But can I tell you, young people need to be encouraged today. Your children need to hear you constantly in the world we live today. Hear them say that you are proud of them. Because we are blessed with some amazing kids. So tonight, I, I'm going to brag just a little bit about my sons, if that's all right. And... Uh, I appreciate Jason Mason. I do. They are strong men of God. And honestly, they're just strong all around. 
Brother Ken, they are probably the toughest guys that I know, and there's nobody that I would rather run with than my two sons. And, uh, but you know, they weren't always that way. Jace wasn't always as strong as he is, and Mason certainly was not always as tall as he is. Mason's nickname was Shrimp back in Bedford because he was so small, believe it or not. There was a day that, that Jace was much taller than Mason. And they weren't always this strong. You know, it took some time. It took some difficulty. It took, when, when, when Jace was seven years old, he was weed-eating for me on my mowing crew. At a young age, they were weed-eating entire cemeteries. We were watching some home videos the other day of us working in the pouring rain, and they were so small, and it, after watching it, I'm thinking, this is like child abuse. What was going on then? Where were the parents? You know, Mason, he killed his first deer. I had them kill deer with their bows before I ever let them gun hunt. Mason killed his first deer with a bow at eight years old. I mean, that's pretty small. Jace, at, at the age of 16, killed a bull elk with his bow, pulling 80-some pounds at the age of 16. Mason killed a bear with his bow that same trip, his uh, crossbow, on the ground, there was five bears on an elk carcass, and we snuck up within 15 yards and was there for almost 45 minutes with all those bears on there, and Mason out in front of me at 14 years old and killed that bear with a crossbow. They weren't always so tough, though. It's taken time. And when I was uh, thinking about this, when Mason was, I believe he was 12 years old, Jace was 14. We came down to Taylorsville Lake, Kentucky to go hunting in September. I don't know if anybody's ever been around there, but I've been to Wyoming, I've been to Colorado, and I wasn't ready for how rugged the terrain was going to be. Mason was, he wasn't much, much taller than Haven. And we got out to hunt there and we went, we, we started trekking off around this lake. And Mason, we all were carrying climbing tree stands, which are right at 30 pounds. Mason then had his hunting pack on top of the climbing tree stand that was probably close to 15 to 20 pounds, and he was carrying a bow. He was carrying close to 50 pounds of gear, and we started, we started going through that rugged terrain, and we come around that lake, and we literally come to this hill, and I just thought, I don't even know if I can get up there. And we literally started climbing, and I'll never forget, Mason, he just wanted to be as tough as Jace. You know, a lot of people have thought they were like twins, but they're two years apart. And Jace was, he was doing pretty good, but we were climbing up that hill, and I mean, it was everything that I could do to, to claw my way up this almost cliff. And I'll never forget, Brother Jarvis, I hear Mason in the, in the back, and he was behind Jason, he yelled out and he said, Dad, help. I'm about to fall. And I'll never forget, I looked back and he was literally just hanging onto the bank, trying his best to climb up that hill. He said, Dad, I can't hold on. And I reached down and I lifted him up. 
And we got up the hill together. But can I tell you, it's through difficulty. Difficulty forges us to have the strength and the determination to be able to make it. We don't just get it all at once. It doesn't just, you don't just wake up one day and you're just on the mountaintop. We deal with depression. We deal with fear. And that's not an indictment of who you are. It's nothing but just a showcase of how much the devil hates us. You know, some people, they're afraid to share what they're going through because, you know, we've, we've created a spiritual competition in the world today that it's like, I can't let anybody know that I'm hurting. I can't let anybody know that I'm in difficulty. And we refuse to cry out. Because you know what? Sometimes you can go so deep that you can't even cry out. I saw that firsthand this spring when my dad was going through a difficult time. And Brittany talked tonight a little bit about the depression that she went through. But I'll just tell you, this spring when, when the devil hit my dad... I've never seen anything like that. You know, the devil is not your friend. The devil is trying to destroy tonight. He's trying to destroy marriages. He's trying to destroy families. He's not in it for just games. And my dad, it between the, the devil and just the torment and the fear, it literally got to the place... I'm just telling you, he literally couldn't physically cry out. And you know what? That is when the family rallied. That's Brother Jarvis. When we came together and we said, we are going to pray when you can't pray. I encourage you, if you're going through something, reach out to somebody before you can't hardly reach out at all. I'll just tell you, we, we really, we rallied for dad and prayed for him and the Lord came through. It was in his timing. I wish it would have changed on day one, but God had a plan. But you know, it's the devil, he, he's wily. I mean, we put all our effort into praying for dad and then I get the phone call from mom. Joe, I can't sleep at night. This overwhelming fear is now on me. And I said, we're not giving in to this. I said, every night I'm going to call and we're going to pray over the phone that you get good rest because that is what God wants. And you know what? God brought her through that. And can I tell you that when we bind together, it makes a difference. As, as Brittany was singing tonight about being out on the, the, the water and in storms. When you look at this story found in Matthew, Jesus looked out and he saw his disciples toiling and in a storm. If Sister Jarvis would come to the piano tonight. He saw their labor. He saw what was going on. And can I tell you, there is things in life that you just literally cannot do alone. Mason would have never been able to climb up that hill if I hadn't have been there to lift him up. If we refuse to reach out 
for help, you're going to fail. We're just not strong enough, Jonathan. We, there's some things we're just not built to carry. And so Jesus, he went walking out there on the water, and I can, I can see the disciples get scared when they see him coming. And he knows they're scared. In verse 28, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. You know, some of us sometimes, we need to just get out of the boat. You know, we want to fault Peter for, for failing and, and taking his eyes off of Jesus when, when he should have stayed focused, but at least he got out of the boat. At least he said, you know what, it's safer to be closer to you than it is in this rickety boat. And he just wanted to be close to Christ. But yeah, when he got out and he... He was, he was like, wow, I'm doing good. And, and, and I think he just thought, this is cool. And then he started looking around and saw the winds boisterous and the waves. And just like us, he started to forget what Christ had said. And he started to focus on his problem. Can I tell you, when you take your eyes off of Christ... And you start looking around. It's bad in Israel, but we still need to keep our eyes on Christ. There's just some things that we can't change. I can't change what's going on in Russia. I can't change what's going on in Israel. I'm trying to affect those that I can in little London. But we must not in any way, shape, or form take our eyes off of Christ in the middle of whatever we're doing. Because if we do, we are opening up ourselves for disaster. And Peter, he did. He took his eyes off of Christ and he began to sink. And it was just so easy when he cried out for Jesus to just lift him right back up. Can I tell you tonight, Jesus Christ is just waiting to hear your cry. You know, it takes humility to cry. It takes humility to reach out and say, I need help. And I think that's why it's so important for us to not hold back when we're struggling, when we're dealing with things and say, I need help. Your, your testimony could be the difference maker of what somebody else is just waiting for something to happen. I mean, just this sister coming up tonight, I was just thinking, thank the Lord. Not like, oh my goodness, she should be stronger than that. It's, thank you, Lord. She sees where her help really is. And that's at this altar with the church surrounding her, praying together. Because if she hadn't have cried out, I wouldn't have known to pray for you tonight, sister. But you know what? This church is going to be full of people tonight praying that you get a good sleep. And I'm believing that you're going to get a good sleep tonight. Because my God can do it. 
But you know what? We need to get over ourselves and just say, I need help. So tonight, if you're struggling with something, let's just cut this short. Let's stand tonight. How many would admit I'm dealing with a a discouraging situation tonight? I'm dealing with a health issue. I'm dealing with something that has got me down. Our help is here tonight. Our help is up front here with our brothers and sisters because you know what? You're in the right place. The world is looking for alcohol. They're looking for drugs. They're looking for so many things to dull that feeling inside. When the real answer today is the same, it's Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you tonight, I need Him more right now than I ever have before in my life. And I believe some of these young people... They're on the brink of making major decisions, life-changing decisions. That message that Brother Jarvis preached a couple Sundays ago was so spot on. Young people, you need to find out what you believe. You need to get a set of convictions and say, no matter which way the world goes, no matter where my friends go, this is what I'm going to stand on. And we need to be lifting these young people up because I'm just telling you, the next couple of years will set the tone for their entire life. But you know what? The devil's not just trying to destroy the young people. I'm convinced, I'll tell you what, I put in a request to prayer in class this morning. The devil's fighting my grandparents. I'm just telling you, the devil is out to destroy the young and the old. There's no break time in this. There's no time to sit down. The devil is trying to to literally stop the ones that are right at the finish line. Just complete, just destruction and discouragement. And it's just unbelievable. So it doesn't matter whether you're 12 or 82. This altar right here is the place that's going to make the difference in our life. So tonight, if you need help, if you came discouraged, can I tell you, behold, behold, God can still save. He can still hear. He can still move. He can still lift you up out of your circumstances. So tonight, let's come and pray. Pray about your need. If you don't have a need, there's plenty of other people to pray with. Today is a a day that we need to bind together for those that we love. Because without it, God is going to return and many souls are going to be lost. Lord, help me to be an influence on my family in these last days. My church. Lord, help us tonight. Let's come tonight. Find a place to pray that the Lord will strengthen